1998, I started my first company called SpunLogic. My partners and I have recorded four episodes of what we are calling the Spun Mafia series, which tells our story from founding SpunLogic, selling it 10 years later, and ultimately selling the company we were acquired by five years after that. In this episode, we brought back some of our old advisors who were so critical to our success. We talk about old times and lessons learned for sure, but we also discuss what makes a good mentor and a good mentee. Let's get into it. Okay, guys, this is a really exciting episode of Spun Mafia, Um, and I don't even know if our guests know exactly what that means, but uh, Raj and I have wanted to have some of our old advisory board members uh, on a podcast to talk about good times uh, and see where we went wrong. Um, There were definitely some big decisions that this group helped us make as we went through uh, building and ultimately selling Spun Logic. So let's start by this. Uh, Ken, James, and Bill, in that order, can you guys uh, you know, say who you are, but then what you were doing in early 2006 when we started our first advisory board uh, and, and why you said yes, maybe, and how you got looped in? Ken, why don't you start? Good. Um, well, I'm Ken Bernhardt, and in 2006, I was a marketing professor at Robinson College of Business at Georgia State University and um, heavily involved in uh, Brand Atlanta, um, which is uh, how I first came in contact with SpunLogic and Jeff, um, given that they were the digital agency for for SpunLogic. And um, I got asked if I would help Jeff put together this advisory board And I didn't know any better, so I said, sure, I'll be happy to do that. And uh, the rest is history. So, good. Before you pass it to James, why did you want to take a chance on us? Well, I thought, um, I don't want your head to get too inflated, but I I was pretty impressed with you guys and um, thought you guys had started this company. It was pretty small at the time. I think it was under a million dollars. I think some somewhere around that order of magnitude. And um, you wanted to grow it. And I thought well, it would be kind of fun to help these guys and see if they can really make something of this. And um, was impressed with the work that you did for Brand Atlanta and thought it'd be maybe I can learn something as well about digital work since it was pretty new at the time. And um, so, yeah, sure, I'm in. This would be fun. Perfect. James Marlowe. So I'm James Marlowe. I'm the CEO of Clean Energy Advisors. And when I first got connected, I was the director of sales at Yahoo, uh, doing a lot of work with the Coca-Cola Company and Bank of America, the Home Depot. Um, I know Raj's um, mother-in-law and father-in-law, Joel is a mensch of mine, one of the best people I know, and Dee and Tova, best people I know. So I had met Raj and thought he was brilliant. And they said, hey, you want to you wanna join this thing? And I said, yeah, absolutely. But uh, I think what connected me, though, was really just the positive energy that you guys bring. You know, that you, you, you bring a lot of intellect and a lot of hard work, but, but you bring this positivity that makes people want to work with you. And... Um, you know, it's been really fun, you know, and I do have a couple of things on mentoring I do want to share. I've got, I've got a couple of things I think are worth, worth listening to. Nice. All right. Well, good. Bill Nussie. Uh, so uh, Bill Nussie, um, back when uh, I was on your advisory board, I was running a software company called uh, Silverpop, which uh, did marketing technology. And um, that's actually how we met. I was, uh, uh, you and I, Jeff, did a pitch to IHG here in town about a year before uh, you and that's uh, so anyway that we we collaborated on that pitch and that's how I met you and we had breakfast after that and uh, you pitched me on the idea of joining your advisory board and uh, uh, I thought you um, uh, had a pretty good vision on what you wanted to do and were uh, particularly well put together uh, as a CEO for a um, young guy and I thought you know what um, I think about I'll think about this and then I heard Ken Benhart Ken Bernhardt was involved and I said I'm in. <laughs> That's usually you gotta, you gotta in a start how you... the truth. Okay, so <laughs> you need to tell the truth, Bill. <laughs> All right, I heard James Marlowe was involved and I was in. 
Look, there's no secret to getting Ken on, involved in something and then you get people like Bill and William Pate who joined us perfect timing. How you doing, William? Hey, how is everybody? Good. We were just, I was kicking it off having everyone uh, remember what they were doing when they joined the advisory board, which would have been beginning of 06. And then why you said yes, preferably not the real reason, which is because Ken Bernhardt asked you, but maybe there's <laughs> oh, something that's all, there. That's my uh, answer for everything. <laughs> um, let's see, I was, uh, I didn't know it, but I was getting ready to finish my time at Bell South. Uh, I was still the CMO there and we were getting bought a year later. And uh, let's see, I guess absent Ken then just looking for another great opportunity to help a business grow. Nice. Okay. So when we put, that? that was perfect. When we put this together, it was quarterly meetings. We would have them each quarter at our office. We'd have dinner, um, spend a couple hours together. And I, I guess I wanted to start with, um, we, we picked each of you for reasons. First of all, because we, we really wanted to learn from you, but also each of you sort of fit a piece, right? So you had James who was in sales, lots of other things, but sales. You had Ken, who's like the king of marketing in Atlanta. You had William, who was on the brand side. And then you had Bill, who was running an agency technology company. So we thought, and then we had an, another person from finance. And so we put this together. And I guess my first question would be, it seemed to me that it worked. It seemed to me that you guys really gelled. Um, <clears throat> was there anything missing from the puzzle? And or why do you think this group worked so well to sort of coalesce into an advisory board? You pick people that aren't afraid to um, say what they think, no, number one, um, and, and tell you, yeah, you, this is great. And um, I can think of some times when we said, you guys are nuts, don't do that um, as well. Um, and so you, you pick people that, A, are self-included, not included, um, smart people who had, as you said, brought something to the party and you guys were smart enough to listen to us. And um, so we wanted to keep giving you feedback. I think one of the things that uh, I, having met the whole team and you and Raj in particular, Jeff, that really struck me and was carried through to the advisory board and honestly is the key to most team success uh, in a leadership role at least is that you guys uh, and, and we all have pretty similar values um, and there's a million ways to grow a business and you can heavily focus on products. You can heavily focus on uh, sales and growth. You can heavily focus on any number of things and some of them all together. But the thing that has struck me then struck me then and has always been um, resonant with you guys over the years and uh, everybody else uh, that was involved back then was uh, an employees and a people first mentality. Uh, so it made it easy to discuss, debate, um, and provide feedback because we were all coming from the same foundation of what was most important. And, and to me, that made it fun because uh, people who go at business very differently than me uh, and are typically more successful, but uh, you know, the way they apply the lessons and the way they go after problems and opportunities is different because they're going for different things. And so with the, everybody here on the call today, there was an amazing degree of alignment around that. So I learned a ton as we just went through these real world challenges you guys laid out very honestly and openly. And uh, as everyone commented, you guys shared what we were learning. I mean, it, to me, um, uh, I learned a great deal, which is what made the experience so positive. Um, James or William, I know you guys have been on lots of different advisory boards and actual boards. Um, are there things that worked with this group? And again, it's less about Raj and I in this question. It's more about you guys that made you all continue to work well together. All of you stayed with us. Um, or there are things that we did that, that putting you together that helped? Because it always, it always um, I always thought that you all enjoyed seeing each other, which was, was one thing. Um, and I think it goes back to what Bill said. Um, you share values, but I know there were times when some of you, the only times you got to catch up, catch up were at the advisory board. So there was camaraderie there. Was there anything else that you think worked? I think we, we all had a mutual respect and, and that, that comes across, you know, it, I think it came across in our first meeting and built from there, which was really great. You know, 
I think the only thing we could have done better is that, you know, we're all a bunch of guys, you know, that that's not the ideal board, you know, I mean, so more diversity of every type, young, old, you know, the, the more diversity of thought, the stronger the team in my book. What well, one is um, you teed up real issues that you guys were facing that you really hadn't made a decision on. Um, so you really did want our input, number one. Number two, at each meeting you started out with what you did based on what we said the meeting before, which I, I think was, was really important. You, did, you didn't just ignore what we said. You said, here's what we did based on what you said, and here's what we didn't do based on what you said, and here's why we didn't. And, and I think the combination of teeing up real problems and giving us um, honest feedback on why you did what we told you to do or why you didn't do what we told you to, because we didn't know everything that was going on. And there were sometimes very good reasons for ignoring the, um, the advice we gave. Um, and, and you were always honest about that. And I, and I think those were two factors that made it worthwhile for us, let alone you gave us a cool gift each time. That, uh, <laughs> Um, my kids were young back then and they couldn't wait till I came home from a spun logic advisory board meeting <laughs> to see what goody I brought home. I, I can even tell you what a lot of them were today, you know, 15 years later. Tell, tell a couple. Um, well, my favorite was the um, iPad mini where you had loaded each of the top 10 songs for the previous 10 years onto it. Um, that was my favorite. Uh, another one was the uh, the Porsche with oh, yeah. uh, the red Porsche oh. with the Spun Logic license plate that was remote controlled. That was very cool, and I had that a lot of fun. Well with received that. in that, and, and that was because we had one Porsche, so we tried to make them all relevant to to something that had been going on. Then, then there was um, the golf club putter, which. Um, I, I didn't know what to do with because I didn't play golf, but I think I, th I either may have it in a closet or I gave it to a friend who was went crazy over it. I can't remember which it was. Those are those are three that that uh, that I remember vividly. You know, I've kept that putter in my office. I don't play much golf, if any, and I kept it in my office with the golf ball next to it for basically until a couple of years ago. Uh, and I don't have I don't have I'm I work in several different offices now, but. Um, uh, I would use it as therapy, particularly for wayward salespeople. Uh, when you, you know when they're trying to struggle with some internal conflict or some customer issue, you put that golf club in their hands and you put something in the corner that they can aim the ball at. Their whole blood pressure just drops. So I mean, that golf club just was a gift they kept on giving. Or the putter, I really I'd forgotten that the uh, source of it, but it it really served a tremendous value, well beyond your uh, your your thoughtful gift. So yeah, I, I have a kind of follow-up question can you you were mentioning obviously you know um you know we started those meetings with you know what actions we we had taken which ones we hadn't right and, and i think when when a lot of folks put advisory um uh boards together it's it's always the element of well you know i i, I remember um coming into one of our board meetings where we were so like gung-ho on trying to open up an office in another location, right? You guys remember that, right? Like, and we'd done so much pre-work on it, right? And I remember like, you guys just like, nope, <laughs> you are not ready for that. But Bill and I, it's all over you. Bill, Bill and I in particular, we, we really let you have it. <laughs> we were, to Raj's point though, we were going into the meeting looking for advice on the move, not to be right. Like, we're yeah. ready. Perfect timing. You guys can give us advice on this move. And you were all just like, no, like, no. <laughs> don't <Yeah>. do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, in hindsight, you were absolutely right. <laughs> right. We were not ready for it. But I remember like, just like, holy hell, like we've just spent, I mean, I, I took several trips identifying companies <laughs> going down into Florida, North Carolina. And it's like, oh my gosh. And, and it's that kind of balance point. Like when do you, when do you listen to advice and where do you say I need to be pushing against um, kind of, you know, your vision and so forth. And that's a hard, hard balance, you know, and I'm sure you guys have advised teams inside and out, uh, you know, not only the, the, the spun team, you know, for, for us, 
we had that trust in you guys. Like if you guys told us like, uh, this is, you know, you really have to consider it like this, this, and this, like we really listened uh, as much as possible. So there's a level of trust, but when is the time to take the feedback from a, an advisory team? And when is the time to say, I need to stick to, you know, my vision, my guns or, or whatever it is. Guys, can you hear me now? I've had I've rebooted. Yes. Well, yeah. I think one of the most difficult questions any any company asks is how rapidly should you grow and how should you grow? That, those are just hard questions. But, you know, I think uh, what I was trying to say a few minutes ago, three quick points that I've ha had over the years, many great mentors. I had a great business mentor, Harris Lancaster. Um, I had a great political mentor, Congressman Doug Bernard. Um, I have a great academic mentor, uh, ben Kaczynski over at Emory, who always takes my call and has just been a, a true friend and mentor. And what I've learned about mentors and mentoring is that a mentor's role is to give you courage. Hmm. And, and that's, that's really what they do. They don't really solve all your problems because they don't know the answer. Sometimes, you know, you have to have the courage to do what you know is the right thing. And sometimes those are not easy decisions. And the third point is that a great mentor-mentee relationship um, becomes two-way, um, or otherwise it usually doesn't even last. You know, but when you're learning together, you know, that's really exciting to me. And that's something that you always want to take that call quickly. You always want to respond. And that you know, having um, you know, the ability to help find that courage, the ability to listen and learn together, you know, those are pretty powerful uh, things that I've learned. That's right. And anything else on Raj's question? Because I, I can almost remember in that meeting about, you know, us adding a second location, like looking around the room to see if anyone would be on our side with that one. And, and nobody was. None of you guys were. <laughs> and so I think that was easy, even though it was a decision we had basically already made. But I do, I do think it's an interesting, like I always tell whenever I'm mentoring, look, I can just give you advice. You have to make the decision and I'm never going to judge you because you didn't do what I said. And you guys let us feel that, but two, yeah. two mentees, how would you, how would you guide them in terms of take the advice or stick to your guns? Well, I think some of it is forest and trees. I mean, you guys, you know, when you're so deep into the woods, you don't really see the big picture. And, you know, we were, we were certainly not in the, in the woods like you were, we were coming in very objectively and oftentimes able to see things from, you know, the mountaintop down. And so, you know, that great objective truth, you know, is, you know, sometimes it has a little wisdom to it, but a lot of times it's just, you know, objectivity. I think that the mentee always makes the decision that they think is right and the value of the mentor and the role we filled was just to provide perspectives that, uh, that you may have been resistant to or unable to see and if there's a strong trust relationship as there was, you can pierce a lot of assumptions and sacred cows in those discussions. But in all cases, the that's I think the beauty of the mentor-mentee relationship is that it's one of the safest conversations where you can lay everything out as the mentee to the mentor, and that person keeps all of your information if there are any they have to keep information in deep confidence, and they don't have any particular role over you. But I mean, I worked at IBM and they had formal mentor relationships inside, but when you're dealing with a group outside where they have no up or down, left or right, whether you pick, it's your decision, they're entirely objective, they're entirely separate, and there's no consequences for the decisions you make or even the nervousness you feel about the decisions. And so when that works well, uh, we are, as mentors, the best job we can do is to help you think through and push you very hard in areas where you may have a blind spot, which in that, in Raj's story, is exactly what happened. Um, and you had a bunch of people that have been there seen a lot of variations of that um, journey and uh, most ended in pain and blood. And so uh, you heard it loud and clear. And after that, I don't think anyone in the room had any illusions that you guys would do anything other than what you thought was best. What mattered was you listened. So obviously you all remembered that, that one big decision, that moment on the location, any other memories of decisions or conversations or meetings that that come to mind well i remember one of the more humorous things is that we were all nerd enough to have on our phones the the star wars lightsaber 
I think that says a lot that, you know, we're, we're you know, khaki nerd, you know, gearheads in, in the best way. I, I remember a lot of discussions about um, the sale and the timing and um, um, when you're ready and um, how to evaluate the different alternatives that, that popped up. I remember some discussions a couple of times about that. I remember early on, we um, <clears throat> showed you guys our finances and we were still at that point looking at everything from a cash basis and not an accrual basis. And as a services company, if you're just looking at a cash basis, it's, it makes no sense, but we had no idea. And so we showed you like our monthly and quarterly revenue from the previous 12 months. And it was like huge spikes and all these things. And you guys were like, first of all, I think you were like, something's wrong. That's, that can't be how your business is operating until you realized it was just when the checks were coming in, we were counting that as the revenue that month. And we had just never even, because remember, we, Raj and I started this company in college as 21-year-olds. And I think at the time you joined our advisory board, we were probably 27, 28, but we had never worked a real job. <laughs> so this idea that there was a different way to measure the finances, we had no idea. So like that, I can't even believe it today. Yeah. It's like, that's the first thing whenever I'm working with another agency at all. It's like, show me your numbers. And if it's cash, I'm like, it's insane to me that anyone could run a company like that. So I personally remember that story. I remember that, but that was one of the very first meetings. Yeah, of course. That, yeah. that was one of the very first meetings, maybe the first meeting, but for sure the second, if not the first. If it, if it wasn't the first meeting, then you all just like, you, you must have just said, well, there's something going on there, but we'll get to it later. But it had to no, have been. No, no, we, 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 I remember that meeting very clearly. We said, you mean you're doing your books on a cash basis? <laughs> no, you can't do that. You got to get an accrual basis. Go talk to your accountant and, and yeah. figure out what the hell the difference is because you, you, you know, that. Ken, Ken, the next thing we did was we went off and Googled what accrual meant. hundred percent. A hundred percent. We definitely did. We definitely did. Uh, okay. There's a concept that I remember you guys pushing on us and, and I think especially James, um, which is this idea of gazelle clients. There's the sexy Coca-Colas and the Home Depots, but then there's these clients that are going to be loyal, that everyone's not chasing, that can be long-term relationships. Do you remember that concept? I do. I do. And, and picking the wrong client is one of the easiest mistakes to make. And, you know, I've, I've done work with every type of client and, you know, had the privilege of, of doing lots of work with, you know, the corporate elite. And some of them are terrible clients. You know, they, they jack you around, they string you out, they change, they, they're so demanding, they don't pay you on time. You know, you know, firing clients is a real strength. Yeah, I remember you guys hit that into his heart and, and um, gave, that gave us the courage, um, going back to what you said earlier, James, to fire our first big name client. Do you guys remember who that was? Rod, you remember? I don't actually, no. It was the Georgia Aquarium. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Well, that That's a longer one. story for another time and they have new leadership there who's phenomenal. <laughs> but yeah, that was the first big client and I remember having the courage to do it because we had heard that from you guys and it was a big name. I mean, we got lots of press for doing work with them but they were awful. Um, and the release of tension in the company when we did that and the idea that we stood up for them, for our team, uh, it was big. It was big. So that was a big, big moment for us. Was the lottery another one we talked about or not? We definitely worked with them. It could have been. Um, we yeah. did some work with the lottery. Yeah. Um, I found say, saying no is usually a sign of strength. You know, when you're, when you're saying no to the right things, that's when you're growing as a business, as business people. Yeah. Um, so, when you think about um, advice that you give to mentors, to people who are maybe they're, they're about to start mentoring their first company or joining an advisory board, what's some advice that you guys would, would give to them? I think listening is the most important thing. I think understanding the dynamics of the ownership. So I've been on four boards owned by private equity companies. Every single one of them fired the CEO within six months of my joining the board. 
And uh, so my introduction was always uh, relearning the business and getting the business on a different strategic footing. And uh, in fact, it took me years before I got on a, a board where uh, it was really about the, about the business that they had built <laughs> and not so much about changing uh, leadership. And I guess that's because, you know, these equity guys, they want their money back quickly. And, uh, you know, they just, they're, they're, they want to get rid of, get, get a new executive in and, you know, try a new strategy. I, I, uh, I talk a lot about mentoring. It's been a theme in my career and something that people have asked me about conceptually. And I wrote a little bit about it in this book I wrote a couple of years ago. A chapter on it, in fact, and um, the um, I think the you know, if you're a mentor, particularly if you've been around long enough to have some experience, you're not sitting around with a lot of spare hours uh, on your calendar. And so, when you choose to invest those hours in anything, you know, playing, uh, going out and playing some golf if that's what you do, or hanging out with your children, or uh, building your own business, or doing community work, or whatever, um, the hour you might spend with a mentee. Uh, is, is one that takes away from that. So it's got to be a very high value relationship. And I think the part that matters the most, and really you guys epitomized as much as anyone I've had the privilege of working with is that uh, exactly what James said, but you know, to reiterate, it's, it's to listen and to take into account the advice you're getting. Um, you guys made me and I'm sure uh, everyone uh, else made us feel really important. Uh, you, you, it seemed, you seemed to treat us as if it was a privilege to have our time. Uh, you listened incredibly seriously. Um, you, you weren't fawning or you weren't, uh, you weren't taking our advice at face value, but you definitely listened and, and you cogitated on it and you had the, had enough respect for it to come back in the following meeting to tell us what you thought about it. And we all learned from that. And, and so the, the couple of hours we spent every quarter with you guys, there was no doubt that the hours we contributed to that relationship um, impacted you guys in a major way. And by digesting and, and acting on it, uh, I learned a lot uh, through your eyes and through your experiences. So um, I think the fact that you took it so seriously, I mean, you guys took the advisory board role more seriously than many companies whose formal boards I've been on. And uh, that was very rewarding. Um, and uh, it, it made that hour, those few hours I carved out, I had young kids at the time, it was tough. But it was always it was always very rewarding for me, and I had no doubt that um, it was not something you were doing just to check the box, and that meant a lot to me. I love to hear that because, and I and I know you know this, but it was that uh, that respect that we had for you guys, and the way we listened to you was incredibly genuine. Um, Danny still to this day says the best thing that I ever did as CEO of Spun Logic was to put together this advisory board. I try, I try not to let that mean the best thing you ever did was bring in a bunch of smarter people than you to help, help us figure out what to do, but it is what it meant. Um, but, but like, as we look back and if, you know, if any of us were to, you know, list three things that, that helped us be successful, this is always one of the top three things. So, um, I love hearing that. The question I'd have is then how would you, if you're a mentor looking at a company that you might join the advisory board of, how would you gauge that? Because probably you guys didn't know that they won. Um, is that something you can test out or somehow know early? Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions you can ask. You, you can ask, why do you want an advisory board in the first place? Yeah. Um, you know, what do you expect to get out of the advisory board? Um, uh, I, I think you can ask, who else are you asking? Because that gives you some clues if they're asking their closest personal friends and their father-in-law and a couple of others, as opposed to, well, we, we picked Bill Nussie because he really knows how to do this. And we picked uh, William Pate because he's been a CMO and that's our target. And we picked um, James because he knows some things we don't know. Who else are they talking to and um, why? And why do they want you? And what do they expect you to do? I think you can figure out what they want. Sometimes they just want some names um, that they can put up on their website that this is an advisory board and don't really want advice. And no, none of us need that, nor does hardly anybody need that. We, we don't need our names up on some company website because they think it'll help them. 
it, it um, I think there's a lot of questions you can ask that can help you sort out whether this is a group who really wants some advice. And, and William, I, William and I have been on uh, a couple of others together that I can think of one that um, oh, they set up the first meeting and then they changed the date and um, which said it wasn't very important. And, <laughs> you know, and, and if you, you know which one I'm talking about, I'm sure. Yeah. And um, yeah. it slowly disappeared without that ever, ever telling us that it had disappeared. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, so that's that, that kind of checking the box mentality, right? Yeah. The other thing I get uh, out of, and I got out of this group, is I like to know who else is on the board because I, I learn a lot from the other members, uh, the questions that they ask, the way they're assessing the problem. And, you know, I, I pay as much attention to that as anything because it helps make me a better leader. It helps make me a better business person. Um, I learn a lot out of that. That's a big reason, uh, William, that I've joined a couple of boards was um, the company itself was really interesting uh, and had people that I thought I could work with, but knowing who the other advisory or other board members were, I mean, true story, uh, talking about Ben Kaczynski, I, I was asked to join a, a board of a startup uh, called Silver Pop, actually called Avienda at the time, and uh, I uh, was pretty hard pressed for time, it was a little before um, I got involved with you guys, and um, the uh, uh, I really was on the fence about it, and I heard that Ben Kaczynski, the legendary Ben Kaczynski was on the board, and that kind of put me over the top. And, uh, and, and Ben and I became friends and he was on the board for, I don't know, 12, 14 years. No, not that long, about eight years. And, um, and to William's point, um, I was on the board for a year before I ended up joining it to be CEO. Uh, I was invited to join it to be CEO, but um, the times where it was with you guys being on this, on the advisor board here, you just take away incredible lessons, even though I had more experience than you, you, you Jeff and Raj, I didn't have as much experience as, Ken and didn't have the perspectives that he brought. So that's just a great example where I learned a ton, even as I was supposed to be the, the mentee, a mentor, I was the mentee to the people around the table. That was so rewarding. And that's my favorite part about the boards and advisor boards I do is the conversations with the other people and amazing conversations and they matter, right? These are not, these are not idle, unimportant questions. These are the matter of careers and businesses and success. And so being a part of that is an honor and, and going through that journey with people like you guys is the part that makes it so rewarding. And you get, if in Spun Logic case, you get a cool Porsche or an iPad now occasionally, made it just all, all sweeter. Yeah. Note to every, every company is thinking this, make sure you, you think through good gifts and connect them to the company. I, I don't recall another company that's done that. Uh, really? I, I'm sure I, I have, but I don't, yeah, there's been a couple, but you guys really just nailed it to be honest with you. Put more thought into it than most. Yeah. Yeah. And my kids loved every single thing. So, <laughs> you know, I, I I I still kind of think back and and um, you know, we were we were we were just shocked that any of you guys actually said yes to us. <laughs> that was the, you know, <laughs> seriously. Like I remember, you know, and I, I'd say Danny would say the exact same thing and Ragu, right? Um, that. We, we kind of threw out the ask um, and like, there's no way in hell these guys would ever say, I mean, we're like no one, <laughs> nobody's. And we were just like, just always thrilled. And, and that's why it stuck to us uh, through our entire careers. It was, it was such a meaningful part of, of, of our journey, um, if you will. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious. I mean, I'm sure you guys get hit up a lot uh, for whether it's, uh, you know, board positions, advisory positions and, and all and stuff you know from going back to us gosh what we said 2006 uh time era um to now what's what's changed in 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 how you think through you know accepting a position you know what's from then to now has your viewpoints changed quite a bit and and who you want to be involved with uh between then and and now and and why is that well, I, mine's gotten more sophisticated in terms of deciding, and I now have six rules that, uh, that I use. Um, 
Number one is, um, do I believe in the mission and, and what they're trying to accomplish? I mean, that's an obvious one. If, if you don't believe in what they're trying to do, then you shouldn't be part of it. But um, it's true for for-profit or non-for-profit. Um, secondly, um, I want to know, do I believe in, in the caliber of the people? Um, because if, if you're going to give advice, if, if they're not capable to deliver on it, um, then you've thrown away your advice and it, it makes no sense. So what, what are the people that are on the involved in the company's management like? And then thirdly, what we've, several of you mentioned, what are the other people that are going to be involved on the board? And if you have a dysfunctional board, it's just frustrating and, and not worth the time um, at all. Um, if it's a nonprofit, um, yeah, I want to know what's their finances like. Um, it's true to a degree for the corporate, but you don't always get as people as candid as you all are with that. But the, the reason that's important is if, if they're struggling financially, then all the decisions and everything are around financial instead of how do we achieve the mission and how do we be successful. And, and I don't want to have those kind of discussions. Um, and then lastly, um, the other two are what, what are their needs? Why, why are they asking me? What, what, did, what are the needs they have? And secondly, do I feel I can contribute? Is, do I, what I can do match up with the needs they have? And if that's a good fit, um, great. Um, if not, then I turn it down. I think it's worth mentioning that there's, in my experience, many, many types of advisory boards. And what you guys did in SpunLogic back then was closer and exceeded what traditional boards often do. But a company I'm, I'm building at the moment in the solar space, we have an advisory board. We've never met as a team. Um, one of them would like to, but the, they're all just people that we reach out to. We've given them uh, little chunks of equity in the company. Uh, and they're, they're experts in their respective fields that relate to our company. And so we get on the phone with them as often as once a month and sometimes twice a year, as little as twice a year and pick their brain for advice and contextualize it. But we don't give them our finances and we don't give them um, our, um, our detailed operational data. And, and I'm not sure they would have a lot of value in it. In, in the case of this advisory board that you put together, it was a business operations and strategy advisory board. But in mine, we have scientists and um, uh, legal experts and people in our case, because we have licensed stuff into China who are experts on China, um, very diverse. So I do think that as people listen to this and you give advice, um, uh, a seventh question you might add, Ken, is what kind of advisor board are they gonna build? And how does that, does that shift any of your, the things you're looking for? Good. And what's, what's the end game? I learned this from another board member on the board. I was on the first question he asked at the first meeting was what's the end game for this company? And not, I'd never been in a room where somebody had asked that before, but when he explained it, and he had a lot of experience, he said, you know, at the end of the day, uh, even though you, you know, you start to, even if you're just starting the company, somewhere down the road, you have an idea how you want it to, to end or evolve. And, you know, he asked the, these guys to articulate that. And I thought that was a really interesting question and, and one that I've sort of adopted too is, as you get through this, what, do you, what is your goal? What are you trying to get to? Uh, so that, you know, as you get close to it, you, you know you're getting there. Um, Bill raised the question of um, compensation for the board. And obviously when you started this, you, you were in no position to, um, to compensate us and fortunately none of us really needed um, extra money to, um, to, to do it. But um, William and I were on a board, an advisory board um, for a company that we gave them really good advice over about a five year period and, and they grew not dissimilar to what you guys have. They were doubling uh, about every year and um, after about five years, and they were now, you know, pretty good size, I said to the um, CEO, co-founder, 
you know, we, none of us need cash or anything, but we, we've really helped you get to this point. I think we can help you get a lot further. Would you, you should consider giving us something. If you have uh, a sale that maybe we each get a half a percent or something. And, and, um, guess what? The advisory board got disbanded shortly thereafter. Yeah, sure. That was pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> Which was fine with me, but um, I, I figured, um, you know, why should we be helping this company with, with nothing at all for us at this point? Or, or at least the equation was uh, way out of sync in terms of um, in, in their favor. And um, it, it was kind of interesting. So compensation is always an issue, but Bill said, he's compensating his by giving them some um, small shares of, of stock. That, that makes a lot of sense. It certainly increases their desire to give him good advice um, in, in doing that. And um, if the company's really successful, it doesn't cost him very much in the end. And I don't expect equity or, or I've done many advisor boards for no you know, real compensation. It just depends on what I'm looking for. But uh, I'm on the advisory board of a company that's very operational like yours was, and, and they don't do equity. It's privately closely held by the founder. And so he pays a, a pretty nominal amount of money that almost certainly is not worth my time. But the fact that he writes me a check every year tells me that he thinks it's important. And uh, that, uh, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not renovating my house with the money, but it's nice to be recognized in that way. Uh, and it makes me take it professionally seriously rather than just um, a hobby. So, so I think that's another dimension. You don't have to do with equity, although that's usually the easiest and least expensive for early stage companies, uh, but it's a, um, uh, some kind of recognition. The great thing about you guys at SpunLogic was that I, I think that you were so responsive to our feedback that, and I don't mean to be obsequious, but I think that was a form of reward in itself. It was a great relationship we developed and we've all, been friends um, uh, since then. And um, I think that speaks volumes to the unique approach and not everybody can pull that off. You know, Raj and I have talked about that. Um, and uh, it, it's a, it's a big regret of ours that we did not do equity. Um, and I, and, and the best thing we can think of is that it never occurred to us that that would be worth anything. Like it, we were so naive. I mean, look, we were running on a cash basis. <laughs> we, we were just like, just running and we could have done that. And, and if, you know, we, we should have done that for sure. Um, and it just never occurred to us. And so I honestly, like, I'm glad you guys are here for, for you to hear me and Raj, I know shares this, say that we really regret that. And I, and I tell most people that they ought to do that um, because I feel that guilt because you guys did help us and we would have been thrilled and, and, and should have. So I'm glad you brought that up, Ken, but I think that that's, that was a lesson. Unfortunately, we all learned together, but I, I wish that, I wish that we had done that differently. Jeff, I, I think Bill made a, Bill made a good point about uh, that. You recognized our, our input and with those gifts, which we all still remember, I mean, all this time later. So, whether it's equity or, or whatever it is, I think the important thing is it's a recognition that the time that you're giving is, is appreciated and important. That's so absolutely exclamation, exclamation point true. It's the currency, the form of currency is less important, but the active recognition that you give something that matters to you. Um, I have no doubt that when you left the meetings with us and you guys spent hours discussing uh, our input. And that was, that was, a, that was a reward. That was a gift to us in a sense that you took us so seriously. Cause I know that I rarely say anything worth listening to that long. And the fact that you guys did was just, uh, was, was, you know, a little bit of ego boost. I was, I'd always take. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, think we, I think we certainly got a lot of value out of it, but if you do want to set up the wire transfers, <laughs> we could still do that. <laughs> oh, you're breaking up. I'm sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't hear you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what was actually interesting, uh, Bill, was that after after you guys would leave, like we would spend hours mm -hmm. <laughs> into the night, <laughs> kind of like rediscussing things and like what we just learned. We'd literally just spend hours, uh, you know, into the into the you know one o'clock sometimes and and so forth, kind of like debating what we just learned. <laughs> so after every single meeting, I remember those those kind of conversations, like. You know, we come back and we're like, well, we didn't think that would go like that. 
<laughs> that's why you, that's why you kicked us out the door so quickly after the meeting, huh? <laughs> we had pages of notes. We had to get into it. Oh, yeah. End them abruptly in time, as I recall. That was, they were very sticklers for getting the thing finished on well, time. We were very cognizant of the time we were taking from you guys. Yeah, yeah, it was appreciated. Uh, yeah, and and you know, just I mean, even just thinking through, like I don't even know if we were certainly cognizant of it, but probably not even as as appreciative of it even now. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just thinking through, like um, certainly for me, like I, I I didn't have a family at the time, so just even understanding, like yeah. asking you guys to come in on an evening is very different. You know, like. We just weren't thinking like that, but we were very confident that every hour that you guys were giving us was precious time. Yeah. I joked about those gifts, but you know, I had a couple of young kids, uh, middle school, uh, no, elementary school then, and golly, and um, you know, every hour I wasn't with them was, and I worked a lot as it was, and so every hour I wasn't with them was a huge hit. And honestly, those gifts, which you may or may not have, I mean, you, you intended them because they related to your, your clients and things. But when I came home with those things, any time I may have been gone was forgotten. So just when you're thinking about doing things for people who have kids in that sort of K through 12 range, uh, and you think about how to recognize them, if you're, if you're comfortable enough to do something that will matter to the children, you're going to get 10 times more points than anything you might do for them as individuals. So what's interesting for you guys to know is you're continuing to mentor us over the years, even if it's conversations or things you've said. So Bill, you've told me that many times and I don't know, probably five or six years ago, I started doing a regular uh, dinner with like digital marketers, um, you know, clients, potential clients. And I and we do a dinner at a nice place, but I always thought about that concept. So what I always do at the end is I have prepackaged desserts that they can take home to their spouse or loved one. And literally I have people that come to that dinner now and say, yeah, my wife was afraid you weren't going to have it tonight because she's, she's waiting for the fancy dinner dessert every time. So, <laughs> but I, I don't think I would have done that if you hadn't shared how impactful, you know, the toys were. So it just, it sort of all goes full circle. Thoughtfulness. Yeah. Okay. Does, is there any other sort of burning topics or stories you guys want to tell or advice you want to give to people out there before I wrap us up? Uh, two quick things. One is that um, you're, there's a notion, and it was true with you guys, that the mentor-mentee relationship is one that's gapped by age. And I think it would particularly work well with you guys because most of us were much older than you. And, uh, and what that meant was experience. And you guys had relatively little experience, and, and we had a little bit of experience. But I want to, you know, I, I decided to th throw away my career in marketing, 25-year um, career in marketing, and get into an industry where nobody nobody and nobody cared about me. And um, I sought out a mentor who's, I think my age or just a bit younger, which is Mr. Marlowe over here. And, uh, and so um, he spent an inordinate amount of time with me and got my career started in the clean energy business. And um, so it's not about age, it's about the spirit of giving and uh, of shared learning. And I'd like to think that James has probably learned some things through my work as we've collaborated in this industry we're in together now. But it's um, uh, mentor-mentee relationship takes all kinds of crazy forms. And uh, uh, and it all starts with the spirit of, of sort of trust and giving. And I think um, that's what I took away from what you guys did. Bill, you're very kind to say that. I mean, I, I feel like whatever value you think you guys got, I, I got more value. So, you know, paying it forward. I've had so many kind people in my career that were formal mentors or just people that stopped to teach me something. And, you know, I, I think that's, that's just the way I see it. I think there's a most of everybody on this call today and the people that I'm closest to all have in common that they're, they're lifelong learners. There's a lot of people that aren't. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm later on in my career than, than you guys, Jeff and Raj, and uh, I'm learning like I've never learned in my life and that I just am happy as a, as I could be doing it. And so I think that shared journey of learning is what makes really good mentor relationships work. I, I just add one dimension to what both of them have just said, which is um, my friend Ed Baker says there's two kinds of people in the world. There's givers and there's takers. And um, you happen to have either by chance or by luck or by strategy have put together a group of people that are givers by nature, which is partly what both of you are as well. And uh, which is why you could recognize it. And, someone willing to, to give 
advice and time uh, without expecting anything in return um, is something that really helps as opposed to someone's doing it because they think they're going to get something out of it. Great. So I'll just wrap up then. Um, <clears throat> I don't think there's any way that we could uh, possibly uh, impart upon you guys how impactful you were to, to us and to our company. Um, the advice you gave, the confidence that you gave us, um, the in-between the meetings, if we ever needed anything, you guys were there. Um, but I think more than anything, it was the role models. I mean, we want, and I don't think the age difference is all that much, but we want it to be you guys. Um, partly because of your success, but mostly because of who you are um, and the way you lead. And I think we got so lucky having you guys as a group. I think it was part of the magic that helped us do what we did. And uh, anything we can ever do for you guys, we're there. Um, but just know that you're, you all were super important to our lives. And I, I think helped us become the people that we are today. So couldn't have done it without you guys. Thank you. It was an honor. And, I look and a privilege. To adventures we have going forward. There's a lot more to come. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. We're just Thank getting you. started. Thank you for your friendship. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. See you. See you on the next one. Hey, what's the gift we get for today? <laughs> it's in the mail. <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> last, last, last comment. That those of you uh, that haven't listened to um, the. Uh, Spun Logic mafia, mafia, whatever it's called, Jeff uh, or Raj, send uh, mm -hmm. the other three of them the link to the first one for sure, which will also give them the future ones. But the, the first one is um, the fun Spun Logic early years, and that uh, maybe the second one as well would be really worth listening to. And I got to tell you guys real quickly, I didn't mean to tell you this story. Um, there's uh, the PayPal Mafia. If you haven't heard of it is, sure. uh, you know, the guys that started PayPal and then they went out and a bunch of people that were at that company started other companies. And I don't know, like a year ago, somebody told Raj that there's that at least some small group of people in Atlanta refer to the spun mafia because there's probably 10 people right now that are running companies in Atlanta that were at spun logic. Um, and not just us founders, there's other guys. So it's, it's, it's kind of fun. So that's why we started this podcast series, but uh, yeah, you guys will hear some interesting stories from the early days. Maybe stuff you've never heard before. This is, it's been a fun time. That's fantastic. All right, guys. Great to see you all. Thanks, all right. Good to see you, buddy. Bye-bye. Wow. You made it to the end of the podcast. I didn't think people did that anymore. Well, since I still have you, I'd love for you to do two things. First, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. That way you'll be alerted as soon as I post my next one. And second, I'd love for you to subscribe to my email newsletter. I send out an email every week or two, and it's really where I share my more personal thoughts and ideas. Plus, I give stuff away sometimes. You can find the sign up at my blog, jeffhillemeyer.com, and I really do appreciate you listening. <laughs>